Today, I want to share with you all of the benefits and reasons why I think you should repent and what it's done for my life. And so I'm going to give you a snapshot of the benefits of repentance. And really, there's probably a hundred benefits. But, you know, for me, I'm only going to give you 15 today. 15 benefits of repentance. You can take notes and write these down. I'm going to move through them quickly. We're going to jump to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So the first thing that happens when you authentically repent is you, you get converted. That's the first thing. You get converted. To be converted is to go from the power of darkness to the kingdom of his son, of his love. It's to go from an orphan to a son. It's to go from lost and powerless to being saved and protected. It's from going from angry and bitter to being forgiven and then being merciful and loving. So when you were an angry, bitter guy or woman, when you were mad all the time, when you lived as a victim all the time, when you were held in bondage and captivity by the enemy, when you repent authentically, when you change your mind to the way he thinks and you turn away from your sin and you genuinely mean it, I don't want to go back to that anymore, and you turn back to God and God hears you and answers you, he converts you, right? So conversion is to change from one form to another. Jesus said, unless you become converted and become like a child, you can't enter into the kingdom. So becoming like a child is almost going backwards in a sense. So as we get older and we've done a lot of church, we've read a lot of Bible, we've listened to a lot of podcasts, it's easy to have this kind of been there, done that mentality, right? And then you don't ever really get excited. Nothing really moves you. But see, I'm moved every time in the presence of God. I'm crying my eyes out because I'm so thankful it never gets old for me. But part of that is because I never stop repenting. This isn't just some mystical thing. The more I turn away and turn to him, the more God comes. Do you understand? And the more that I become converted. Look, conversion is a lifetime process. And the older we get, the more we have to become like a child. So when you authentically repent, the, first, the very first number one at the top benefit is conversion. You go from being an orphan where you're always worried, always afraid. Think about what orphans, and I know what it means to be an orphan. To be an orphan means that I'm always watching my back and I'm always worried and I'm always scared and I'm always afraid and I'm never rested and I always got to get mine because no, if I don't get mine, nobody else will give it to me. And if I don't watch my back, no one else will. And that's a deceptive lie. In the armor of God, you have one piece that's not there and it's something to protect your back. You know why? Because God's got your back. Everybody say, God's got my back. God's got my back. That's right. And so what happens is, is when you authentically turn away and you repent and you mean it, what happens? God begins a change process. You go from the power of the enemy that's had you in bondage. Man, I can give you a list of 50 things I was in bondage to before I came to the Lord. And over the course of time and process and many, many years of failures and struggles and going back for moments and then coming back, God cut them out of my life and pruned them out of my life because that's what he does. But it starts with repentance. The next thing is, is that God blots out your sin. Now, 
there's too many of us and I, we didn't have a big enough whiteboard, but if I had a big whiteboard up here, I would probably do what Jesus did when he was standing in front of the Pharisees that, were, that was accusing the woman caught in adultery when he sat down on the, kneeled down on the ground and started riding in the dirt and they all dropped their stones and he said, he who's without any of these things I just wrote on the ground, or if I had a whiteboard, I'd write all your stuff here. Because you don't think that I don't know. It's not rocket science. Right? It's not like we're new to this. It's like we all have struggles, challenges, issues, some more than others, different things, but we know them. We see them. Many of you are very discerning, and you don't know what to do with that discernment. And a lot of times it turns to bitterness and anger and judgment instead of forgiveness and mercy and blotting out. Thank God he blotted out your past and your sin. And so what you have to see, if I have this whiteboard, I just start writing stuff on the board. And you go, oh, that's me. But what I want you to see in the blotted out more than anything, which is so, it's such a beautiful understanding, is the first blotted out meaning is to blot out your tears. Because all those sin issues and the pain that they cause and the tears that they brought to your life and the brokenness and the broken relationships and all of the things, all the, the, the destruction from your past that brought brokenness to your life, God comes and he brings his tissue. He brings his blood. Though your sins be white as snow or, or as scarlet or crimson, I'll make them white as snow. It literally means to whitewash. He takes the lime and the water and he mixes it and he whitewashes you. And what I would do is if I had the whiteboard, I'd write it all. You go, and then I'd take a big red eraser stained in blood. And I'd wash it. I'd wipe it away. Because that's what God does. He blots it out. He erases it. It's erased. So when the enemy comes to bring shame and victim mentality and pain from your past, God says, no, I took my red eraser. You got to know it. You got to understand it because if you don't, it takes me back to this thing I keep saying. And we were talking about it. It takes me back to the cutting yourself. I'm on this cutting yourself thing because it's basically I'm going to bruise myself when he was bruised for me. He was bruised for your iniquity. So you're going to re-bruise yourself when he says, wait a minute, I took my red eraser. And then we're going to bruise each other. It means he obliterates it. The, the word literally means I obliterate. I completely whitewashed it. And then the third thing is that he brings refreshing from his presence, which is something you only get when you repent. The world doesn't get this, folks. Unbelievers don't get this. This is a kingdom benefit only for his sons and daughters. The presence of God, I feel the presence right now. Because he looks for authenticity, not pretentious religion. So refreshing, that comes only from the presence of God. 
But let me tell you this word refreshing and how powerful it is. You're not going to find the word revival in the Bible, but you'll find a word really close to revival. In fact, I would say the closest word ever to revival is the word refreshing. But check this out. The word refreshing means a cooling off or a returning of your breath. That's what it means to be revived. I was in anaphylactic shock once. My airways closed up. I couldn't breathe. And I almost died. I was without oxygen. This is a real story on my 29th birthday. 12 hours, I was out cold. I broke all the capillaries in my eyes, and I, had a ventil- I, had a, I was intubated for 12 hours in total blackness. And then suddenly, I was revived. It also means to be cooled down after a heat stroke. How many of you have ever had a heat stroke? How many of you know what heat exhaustion feels like? You know the first symptom of heat exhaustion? Your mind. You can't think. You literally... You're out of it. So this word is an understanding that when you were dead, when you were in heat exhaustion, when you were on your back and ready to tap out, you ever been on, felt like you're on your back and you want to tap out? You ever feel like the pressure is so, you can't handle it? You ever feel like you got two hands on your throat and you can't breathe? Am I the only one? Because I felt like that like last week, yesterday. This morning, this is the point. This is why you never stop because the enemy always wants to choke you out. The enemy always wants you to feel the heat of the struggles of the troubles and the hardship of your life. He always wants you to tap out, but you're not tapping out. Say, I'm not tapping out. I'm turning to God because God rescues you every single time, and he refreshes you every single time. This message probably should be called God's Refresh It. He refreshes you. He cools you. He restores your breath. I battled asthma since I was a kid. Let me, let me throw this out. What's the first thing that happens when you have a panic attack? You know, pan is the spirit of fear and terror. It's a demonic spirit. His name's Pan. Pandemic. And so when the spirit of Pan comes and you're in anxiety and fear and terror by night and worry and you get hit with anxiety and next thing you know you have a panic attack, the first symptom, ask my wife, six months she's told the story, she literally could not catch her breath for six straight months. And sometimes when you can't catch your breath, that pre- well, that usually precipitates and causes the panic attack to increase, and then you got to go to the hospital. Get to the hospital, they run all your vitals, they're like, you're having a panic attack, anxiety. We need refreshing from the presence of God. We need refreshing. We need revival. We want real revival. Real revival is not just going to be thousands and thousands of people coming for a moment. It's going to be all of us getting our breath back so that we can accurately do everything God's called us to do and function and live and be cooled and never living in stress, worry, fear, anxiety, doubt, depression, and panic attacks. Can I get an amen on that? 
Next, we're going to go to James 5.16. Confess your trespasses. I've been hitting this over and I'm going to keep hitting this. This is powerful. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So the fourth thing that comes from authentic repentance is to be made whole. It's healing. It means to be cured. It means to be free from your errors and your sins, which then leads to my fifth thing, which is effective fervent prayer. So when I know, once I've confessed to the Lord and to one another, once I've cleared the air, what happens? Healing can come to my life. And a lot of times we're not being healed because we have bitterness. Roots of bitterness and unforgiveness cause sickness. Stress, anxiety, worry, doubt, choked out, can't breathe, on my back, tap me out. And all the while we're bitter towards one another. We're not loving each other. Our spouses, we're fighting with our spouse constantly. We're not being transparent with our spouses. And so when we authentically repent, what do we get? We get healing. We also get power to pray because now the air, the air's clear between you and the Lord and you and one another. Now my prayer goes from weak, sissy, passive, hope so prayers to confident declarations and boldness and certainty and security because that power comes from the Lord. It's not in my own strength. This isn't repentance isn't behavior modification. I can't work myself up into being a great, powerful prayer warrior. If God doesn't blow wind in my sails or in your heart, you're trying to pray in your own strength. This is why God wants authentic prayer, not pretentious prayer. But authentic prayer and power is only going to come when we get authentic with them and one another. You understand? Next, we're going to move to Joel 2, 13 and 14. Rend your heart and not your garments. God cares about your heart, not how good you look. Not, and I want you to look nice. It's not that I don't want you to look nice, but it's not about that. And it's not about that you just did your church duty anymore. It's not about just showing up on Sunday. This is a lifestyle, a lifetime. It's a full-time commitment. And God says, look, you got to rend your heart. Rip your heart. Let your heart be ripped which comes from godly sorrow. You can't, I can't make myself be sorry. That's the worst way to apologize to your spouse is when you don't really mean it. My wife is so smart. She's like, yeah, you don't mean that. Like, and then, you know, the next question when you say sorry, sorry for what? <laughs> you had to ask me that. So now I don't even wait. I just, I'm sorry. And it's for this reason. <laughs> right? Because it has to come from the heart. And, and if you don't see it from godly sorrow, if God doesn't reveal it to you, then you're not going to be authentic in it. Don't think that I don't have all kinds of issues, folks. I have struggles. We all do. Don't stop trying to figure out what it is. No, it's not a known sin that I know of. It's just struggles in my heart with the promises of God. Then struggles in my heart with what God wants to do. And maybe letting go of things and fear of letting go of things. And worry about stuff or all of those things that try to hit all of us at any given time. So we rend our heart. And it's, again, it's not about the outward appearance. It's about the inside. We return to the Lord our God. Why? Why can you return to God? Why can you go back to God every single time? 
because he's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, he's of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. And I'm going to say that that's my sixth reason of why you should repent, because you don't get what you deserve. Because I'm, if I, I don't cuss, but if I did, I would cuss of what I could be. I don't cuss, but I'm just making, letting you all understand. I, we all have done idiotic things. We all act silly. We all do dumb stuff. We all can be foolish in our hearts. And what we really deserve, Jesus took on the cross. So, so he's saying, look, I'm going to relent. You know, it means literally that God holds back. And, but that's a, there's another part to this. Not only does God not give you what you deserve, he goes even further and he blesses you. Go to the next verse, verse 14. Who knows if he'll relent and leave something behind. So he doesn't just forgive you. He's like, not only did I forgive you here, I'm going to give you something else. He goes above and beyond. You remember when David compromised with Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet showed up and called him out and David got the revelation. But what did Nathan the prophet say from the Lord? I did all this incredible stuff for you, and I would have even done more. David got busted. What I suggest is don't wait till you get busted. Go the extra mile and bring it to the Lord. Confess it. Confess it to one another. Because what God does is then he relents, and he doesn't give you what we des- you deserve. But here's how I would define blessing, he gives you more than you deserve. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you more than what you deserve as far as the blessing goes. And there's so many things to what it means to be blessed. So you can meditate on that. The next thing is, is he gives you a grain and a drink offering. For who? Everything points back to him. Your job, your money, your business, your career, your finances, anything God's going to give you in the future is all ultimately designed to be given as an offering back to him. And then he just gives you more. If you don't see this, God, anything that you give to me, I want to give back to you first. And God says, if that's your heart posture, here I come. You're just going to overflow in your lap. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, overflows in your reproductive area, which means you will expand. He's like, it all came from me anyway. You, You thought you made it happen. He's like, it all started with me. So just understand that when you turn and I relent and I bless you and it comes, more comes, more is coming. I promise you. It's a promise in the kingdom. I don't know how. I don't know when. It all, and usually always comes down to our response and his timing. But what happens is, is God gives you a grain offering and a drink offering for him. You get to enjoy be- pleasures and benefits of it too, by the way. But it's all for him. Mary say it's all for him. The next thing that happens, we're going to go to Romans 2, 4. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? 
So your ninth benefit of repenting is the remaining goodness and kindness of God. It's better, easy, and more gracious. Because I'm going to tell you, we're in some hard stuff. You may be in a difficult situation. Magnify it by a hundredfold without Jesus in your life. You think it's hard? Take Christ out of the equation. Because <laughs> then we would be hopeless. You're hopeless without Christ. I'm telling you, I love you. I don't know how anybody can survive this world without Jesus in their life. Your marriage, your kids, your jobs, your money, the pressures, the world, the economy, the lies, the fear, the ups, the downs, the struggles, your own flesh, all of it. Take Christ out of the equation and just bury me now. Seriously. And so the premise here is this understanding that you continuously get the kindness and the goodness of God pursuing your life. Psalm 23. He causes you to lie down. Make, he's going to have to make you because some of you are so stinking stubborn. Right? He makes me. Everybody say, make me, Lord. Make me, Lord. Right, because some of us, like me, too full speed ahead. He's like, I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you lay down in that green pasture beside still waters. And then he prepares a table before your enemies. And then the goodness and the mercy and the kindness of God pursues you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because you are a, you are a constant repenter. Whew. Next, we'll go to Acts 2, 37 through 39. This is right after Pentecost. Now, I almost preached this message, this whole message. It's your fault. Everybody say, it's my fault that Jesus went on the cross. <laughs> Repentance starts with understanding he took mine. He took what I deserve. And so Peter stands up and he doesn't mince his words. He goes full scale, you know, lying on these people. You are the one that crucified the king of glory. It's your fault. And that's Okay. I know I, my sin put him on the cross. I just own it. I'm not living in a victim because he broke me free of that because he loved me. Only the love of God can break the victim mentality of your life. And so Peter just lets him have it. And it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. We must allow ourselves to be cut to the heart, not turn away from the pain. This is where addiction comes in. We want to numb out. We want to check out. I'm tired of dealing with it. I don't want to feel it anymore. But I want to say to everybody here, there's a better way than alcohol and drugs and numbing out or even other things that we might do to comfort ourselves. Cut me to the heart. Let's say that. Cut me to the heart, Lord. See, what's, what's powerful about this is it's an inward cutting, not an outward cutting. And Peter... And they said to Peter, what shall we do? This is a great question. This is a great question. Look at what Peter says in verse 38. He says, repent and be baptized. We have a baptism coming up. If you've not been baptized, let's go. Let's roll. And when you come to get baptized, confess all your stuff. It's confession and repentance and restitution. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
the promise for you and your children, for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord God will call. So here's your 10th benefit. You ready? It's a fulfilled promise. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everything the Holy Spirit brings into your life personally, everything he wants to do in your future, comfort, counsel, guidance, remembrance, empowerment, etc. you cannot do it without him. But you don't get the gift until you fully repent and turn back to God. Do you understand? The world doesn't get what we get. Unbelievers don't get what we get. Atheists don't get what we get. Satanists don't get what we get. So you get the gift with repentance every time. If you mean it, every single time, here he comes. A fresh baptism, a fresh filling, a fresh encounter. You should never grow, become stale bread in the kingdom of God, ever. You never become stale. You only become stale when you stop turning to him and turning away and being authentic with yourself and authentic with one another. You'll become stale bread. But instead, God wants to give you fresh bread and make you fresh bread and make us a house of bread. Number 11, notice he says the promises for your children. How many of you care about your kids? This is a gener forget generational curse. I don't even like that title, generational curse. I like the title generational consequence. If we live fighting all the time, arguing all the time, and I was an alcoholic hooked on porn, trust me, my kids will be raised in a toxic home and they will receive the generational consequences of our decisions. But instead, you got a repentant mom and dad. <sighs> Not perfect, repentant. My kids, thank you. My kids see us apologize. We apologize to them. And when the Holy Spirit comes and the power comes and you live broken and repentant, guess who gets the blessing? Those little ones who don't know what you know, who are innocent, who can't take responsibility for themselves. You want to save your kids? Right here is where it starts. Your family benefits. But then God takes it even further. The 12th blessing is, and to all those who are afar off. It, this is the process of the kingdom. Because it's not just mine and my four, and me and my four, me, myself, and I, my little family. It has to expand out or you'll miss the purpose and call of God in your life. God has a call and purpose on you more than just jobs and money and my white picket fence and my nice doodle dogs and all my little toys. Mine's a black picket fence, but anyway. And I have doodle dogs and toys. But look, the point is, is that's why I'm here. And many days I don't want to be here. Many days I'd rather stay home. Many days I don't, I don't feel a thing when I walk in. And I don't want to play. And I don't want to preach. And I don't know what to say. And that's when God shows himself the best because you were authentic and broken and you showed up. And your kids saw you show up. So it's expansion, multiplication, kingdom influence, kingdom purpose, and a fulfillment of your call. When you repent, you fulfill your call. The 13th reason, 2 Corinthians 7.10 
Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Here's your 13th benefit. Your 13th benefit is you get saved. And what does it mean to be saved? He rescued me. That's the first thing of salvation. I delivered you, rescued you, I protect you, I made you whole, I made you new. So what was old and bad and broken and I was in captivity, God saved me. And then I have no regret. And this is a big one for so many of us. Many of us are living in regret from our past. You know what it means to regret? It means to, that I'm sad, I'm disappointed, and it leads me to an inability to forgive myself and to forgive others and to move forward from my past. I live in regret. And you live long enough, you'll have many reasons to live in regret. But God says, when I come and you repent authentically and I wash you with my red eraser and I blot it all out and I heal you and I save you, guess what happens? You don't need to live in regret anymore. Now it becomes part of your story. Now you just say, man, I was in prison. I did this, I did that. I did all these dumb things, but now look what God did. And it becomes part of your testimony and story to help somebody else who's in the same spot you were once in. Stop living in regret. Okay, you bombed it, you blew it, you did something you shouldn't have done. Pick yourself up. Let's move forward. Repent authentically to God and turn away. Turn away. And every time, turn away. And every time, turn away. And I don't know if it's the 10th time, 15th time, or 100th time. But if you mean it, at some point, sometime, God is going to seal the deal and you'll never go back. You'll never go back. And then my last and 15th point. Be shocked. I'm going to finish this message. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. We started with a refreshing, a cooling, a restoration of breath. I'm going to show you a different kind of refreshing. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. One person gives freely and gains more. But when you withhold unduly, you come into poverty. Let me just briefly break this down for you. If you don't forgive the way that you've forgiven, you're going to be brought into poverty. I'm telling you right now, give freely. They don't deserve it. It's like, no, they don't deserve my forgiveness. You're right. Neither did you. <laughs> freely you've been given or freely I've given, you know, whatever the scripture. There's, there's a scripture that says something about that. <laughs> freely I've given, freely you should. Anyway, it's in the Bible. But see, when you withhold, you're going to come into poverty. And you know what? The other person doesn't deserve it. And it doesn't mean it's okay. What I'm not saying is what the other person did was okay. What I am saying is you can forgive them so that you don't have bitterness in your heart and you come into poverty. But look at verse 25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, this is a different kind of refreshing. This word, refreshing, means to be satiated. It means to have a deluge cover your life. It means to be completely satisfied to the full. It's satiated, saturated, and satisfied. Let's say those three words together. Say satiated, satiated saturated, saturated, and satisfied. satisfied. What that means is that you com you're completely satisfied to the full. It means that I've been watered and I'm have, I've been watered because I watered somebody else. It means that I'm drenched. It means to be made to drink. I liken it this way, to be 
spiritually sloshed. Because it means intoxicated. The word actually means to be drunk. But it's a different kind of drink. It's a different kind of drink. When's the last time you've been spiritually sloshed? It's to become intoxicated. Because you know what happens when you're intoxicated? You become intoxicating to the people around you. And now what God's done in you, you do it for someone else. I would liken it to this word. It's a Greek word. You probably heard it. I'm going to say it to you here. This word refresh is synonymous with the word koinonia. The word koinonia means fellowship, community, communion. You have true community, true communion, true fellowship. It's to participate and share with one another intimately. It's to have joint contribution and partnership. It's benefactory. It's true koinonia with one another. So now here's the final 15th benefit is that when I refresh other people, they refresh me. Now I get refreshed from you and we refresh one another. And it can come in a lot of different ways. When I can't pay a bill, somebody writes me a check because they're my friend and they love me and they know it's from the Lord. Here's, let me help you, which refreshes you because no, there's no pressure like money pressure, folks. No pressure like money pressure. And when you're on your back about to tap out, you feel like you can't breathe. And then somebody comes along and says, here's 100, 200, 1,000, 10,000, whatever it is. They refresh you back. Why? So that you can refresh others, not be selfish. God's refreshment comes not only from what he does for us, but what we do for others. At the same time, we reap what we sow from one another. I refresh you, you refresh me, and God refreshes us. Let's all stand. Just close your eyes for a moment. Please, just close your eyes. There's something about looking inward. A lot of times I think about that understanding of being refreshed many times there are many times I don't feel refreshed. But don't let your feelings dictate the reality of what God does and who he is. He always refreshes the presence of God. But you have got to turn away from the sin. You can't keep going back, beloved. I love you. Listen, I'm begging you to turn away from sin. Turn to the Lord. Repent. Confess to Him. Tell Him you're sorry. Sorry for trespassing, God. Using others for my gain. Be honest with the Lord right now in your heart. He hears your heart. He knows every thought you think before you say it. 
knows every hair on your head. Everything starts with repentance. Everything. Like a cool drink on a scorching hot day is good news from the far off land. Take the drink. Don't refuse the drink. Don't refuse what God has for you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He has so much better for you. He has so much better for you. You don't have to stay the same. Just tell him in your heart, Lord, he already knows you. He already knows. And watch what God does and never stop. He's a good God. The kindness of the Lord brought me back. The kindness of God led me to repentance. He's that good. He's always there and he's always telling you, I love you. It's the kindness of God that leads you to change. So I love you and I just bless you. And Lord, my prayer is that this won't stop, that you would just chase us down. Chase us down, God. Night and day. In the night. Lord, don't leave us the same. Please, Lord, have mercy. Ask him for mercy today. You're merciful, you're gracious, and you're kind, Lord. It's who you are. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing here. Prepare our hearts for what lies ahead. Please, Lord. Prepare our hearts for true revival, God. Whatever it looks like, God, whatever it looks like. Whatever it looks like. We say yes. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.